and we're back for hour two of the crew here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. Dylan Allen, Gideon Fox with me here. I'm Moshe Golubchik. Chris had to uh, take his leave for the evening, but uh, we're going to stick with you. How you doing? Is a long day for you after the baseball game, now the crew? Oof. Tell me about it. I mean, the game actually itself, Gideon, wasn't too long. Uh, you know, it it was it, thankfully it didn't go to extras because those are the worst. When it goes on to extras, the twelfth, the thirteenth, and it just keeps going and it never ends. Those are the worst. I've had a handful of those last year, uh, and they are not fun because you are there for three to f- you you're you're there for closer to four hours. And thankfully, uh, over the past couple of weeks, it hasn't been me on any of those calls like. The game yesterday or the game against Lafayette. I think I think Carmel's on both of those. Yeah, Carmel's doing a lot. Um, <laughs> Doug's been doing a lot of Tuesday afternoon baseball. And they all go and they're all like they have 15 runs in like the first inning, and you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and you god. still have nine more, in eight yeah, more innings. It's, it's like thank God it's not me. Yeah, I mean, oh, we were out of there. Game started at three. We were out of there five fifty ish. I mean, we were done. We were done. We at, were done before the three hour mark. Which yeah, the game ended about five fifty something. Yeah, right. Then we came over here. Usually shorter than usual, so you know we kind of lucked out there. Well, when they don't score twenty runs, it goes a little quicker. Yeah, or when Lafayette doesn't walk sixteen batters. Jeez, (laughs) it was definitely a well played game today. Oh, it was awesome. I mean, it was a disappointing ending for Rutgers, but it was. I mean, both teams played good baseball. I mean, yeah. I mean, think of the all the opportunities that Rutgers had to put Princeton away, but they just couldn't because of errors in the infield, like the Giorgio with the throw, Brito couldn't scoop it, and it happened again uh, where Brito was unable to scoop the ball again. I think it was from Corota Grower to get out of the inning, and then the the bloop single into shallow right field where that one I don't really blame anybody, even though I think they ruled it an error. It was kind of a tough play. Everyone was kind of just charging in at it. Like, there were just so many... Uh, like ground balls, bloop singles, that Princeton got that Rutgers just could not defend. And, you know, we're talking about one of the better defensive teams in the nation. Just had kind of an off day. Um, but, you know, what, what's encouraging is the offense was still there. Uh, you, you will win most games scoring seven runs. And like I said, and, and Kyle Miller today had an off day on the mound. You could just tell his stuff wasn't there. Every Everyone on Princeton was hitting it. And he was getting to 0-2 counts, Gideon. Like, we, we we pointed that out. He was getting in good counts for himself, but he would just then throw, you know, it was like a slider that he would leave up a little bit and too much in the strike zone, and batters would just be able to just smack it around. And, you know, it's kind of something that I think that they'll clean up, but it was very small things today. And I, I want to say half the runs Princeton scored out of their nine were just on really hard-hit balls and with the mistakes Rutgers made and let people get on base with the walks couple of errors, right? I mean, they kind of just adds on, and Princeton just had timely hitting. I mean, getting good counts for the starting pitcher can only do you so much when you give up six runs in an inning and two-thirds, you know? That's what I mean. It's like he was literally getting to 0-2 counts on a lot of guys, and then it would get to 3-2, or on the 0-2 count, he would throw a curveball that would just be hanging right over the middle of the plate, and they would just smack it to left field. It was one of those games. One of those games. Yeah, but look, I mean, they have a weekend series against Iowa. Um Hugely important for their season and postseason implications. So we'll see what happens there. Um, another story I want to get through tonight, the Debo Samuel news. Yes, I've been I've been following that throughout the afternoon as well. Yeah, so I mean, he requested a trade from the 49ers. We don't really know why. Um, um, probably what money. I heard... Yeah, I mean, it's got to be no. I mean, now I mean, a lot of other players are leaving to, to get I've the bag. What I've been hearing is that uh, some of the uh, NFL insiders are saying that he's not happy with his usage in... Uh, in Santa Clara, he doesn't really like being uh, the dual-purpose player and being used as a running back in addition to a wideout. <clears throat> well, I mean, I understand because he wants money, and he knows that if he continues to play like that, he's eventually going to get hurt at some point and Absolutely. not be the same And he player. did get hurt last year, didn't he? I don't know if he did last year, but he's been hurt the past couple of years. So yeah. he's, it's like he's right there. Listen, say what you want. Debo, like, I'm just, like, if I'm talking straight to Debo, no chance he's listening, but, like, (laughs) this is, like, the only reason why you were an all-pro receiver last year was because of the usage you got. Like, you were no chance you were getting that type of respect, all-pro, you know, all-pro receiver, this and that. There's no chance if if they don't use you like that, right? So, I don't know why he's complaining, other than the injury possibility, but, but again, the reason why he might get a lot of money from, say, a team like the Jets is because of 
what he can do in the backfield and lining up as a wide receiver. He's a good receiver. I'm not saying he needs to be a running back, but that's the reason why teams are going to be willing to pay him that kind of money so that he can do both things because teams look at what San Francisco did with him in the backfield and lining up as a receiver and they go, "Oh my god, this is awesome. Home run player. He can do a bunch of di- he we could do a bunch of different looks with him, right?" And if he if that's the one thing and he's not okay with that, well then I'm sorry, not a lot of teams are going to be interested in you then. I at least that's my opinion. I I don't think he's a good enough receiver I, like <clears throat> worth that kind of money. Hey, he's good, but I I really think that running back element added a different part of his game that kind of just makes teams like the Jets really fall in love with a guy like that and if that's the problem that he's having is the usage well then some teams could kind of look at that and say well that's kind of what we were interested in I hear that I mean 65 65% of his looks are still coming through the air last season he had 77 catches on 121 targets and he had 59 rushing attempts throughout the season over the course of 16 games I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, he's a great receiver. I'm just saying, I think the usage is what people, what really drew interest in a guy like that. It's really how he came on the scene, right? I mean, he was, uh, like, he was good. He had potential. Gets hurt, right? Yeah, this year. most of 2020 with missed, injuries. Yeah. Don't, don't, I drafted him in fantasy in the late rounds. That, that bad decision. I don't know. I'm I just, I have his ESPN stats. <laughs> no, no, no. Trust, no look, I drafted him in the late rounds 2020 and um, banking on his return. And he came back, didn't really do much. Oh, I I drafted Le'Veon Bell first overall the year he held out from Pittsburgh the whole season. Oof. Oh, that's got to rough. Yeah, lucky for me, I drafted James Conner, who's uh, who ended up actually being the Steelers starting running back that year. Uh, so then you got you, all right. So you got you got to back a little bit. Yeah, gotta yeah get I got. That back. still stinks though. Yeah. Because you could have had. I'm sure you drafted James Conner because you drafted Le'Veon. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it wasn't a move where you're like, oh, James Conner. Like, you know, I'm sure that was the that, – that's that's a smart move. You I mean, have to back up to your run. I mean, your it r- helped RB1. that I knew who James Conner was uh, being a Steeler fan. Uh, oh, I don't go. know if you can see. I do have the uh, the Steelers sweatshirt sitting right over there. Yeah, I do see it now. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, the logo's kind of like hiding. Yeah, I see. I see so I the see. Le'Veon holding out for the whole year must have hurt, you know, doubly because you had him in fantasy and he's your running back too in, in real life. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my dad always instilled in me, you know, you got to be a football fan first and fantasy fan second. Um, That's fair. That said, I have a personal rule that with about two exceptions, I refuse to draft any player who plays in the AFC North and does not wear black and gold. Um, I have made two exceptions in the last nine years I've been playing fantasy football. Uh, Those being one year I drafted Justin Tucker. Um... And I took AJ Green one year in his prime, which worked out because he got me 35 points in one game that season. Mm. Yeah, he was something else back then. So you wouldn't draft Nick Chubb? Uh, I probably would not. I mean, I'm a little bit. I'm not as hard and fast on that rule as I was when I was about 15, and I made that rule for myself. Um, but because uh, that really limits you. Yeah. Again, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's just you know, my inner five year old being like, yeah. So, <laughs> well, what do you guys think are potential landing spots um, for Debo Samuel? Because there's a lot mm. open now. There's a lot of interesting places. I've heard the Jets have been. I have heard the Jets the spots. Jets. The Lions. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. And what do you think? I <laughs> I haven't heard anything to this effect. But what do you think about maybe uh, Debo going to Kansas City to replace Tyree Kill? That's another. Yep. I mean, that's what a replacement for Tyree Kill. I mean, different skill sets. Um, they play but, very different games. Still, an explosive player. Oh yeah, I mean that would that would really really help. The, now, it, what's his situation? He he requested a trade, right? So he's still under contract. The team would right. need to make a trade. And what I've seen is that he requested this trade a week or two ago, and the Niners have not accommodated that. And obviously, the team doesn't have to accommodate that. We saw that with Baker Mayfield, right? And to be honest, I mean, why would you? Right? I mean, you got yeah. you have Trey Lance, who's going to be the starter most likely, and you're gonna you're gonna trade away your best option on your offensive unit, right? And then you just okay, if you do that, all right, now it's just Brandon Ayuk. Maybe you get a guy in the draft. My point is, you want to keep a guy around like that for a rookie quarterback, right? You have the ro- the new quarterback. You want to give him the greatest possible chance of right. success. That was the whole thing when everyone was saying, "Oh, San Francisco traded up. Look how good that roster is right now." Like whoever goes there is going to be in the best uh, possibility, best case possible, uh, 
possibility, right? The best roster, best coach, yeah. this and that. And now you potentially, if you trade away Debo, a little bit of that goes away. Yeah. And then you got to build chemistry with a new guy. I don't know. I just I feel that if the price isn't there, but, but then but then you play the game where Debo then might sit out, and then what good does that for you? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now are the Jets? I feel like the Jets would be the type of team to trade for him, give up a lot, pay him a lot, and he would never stay healthy. I mean, that's the that's Jets. that's the Jets' way. That's the New York Jets' way. Absolutely. I could see that a hundred percent happening, where they give up maybe a first round. Like it's just the thing. Like, what is his value to you guys? Because don't forget, this past year was one of his only years where he has been able to play a full season and do well. And he's been he has a long history with injuries. So what is his worth to you guys? That's the first thing. Because well, his rookie year he played fifteen games, right? And then and, and then since then did he? And have, then last year, uh, sorry, twenty twenty he only played seven games, and in twenty twenty one he played sixteen in the seventeen game season. Yeah. So. I think what happened is in the rookie year, he gets hurt towards the tail end, carries over into the offseason, and yeah. then he only plays seven in the next year. I remember I had him on the fantasy team. He would come back. He wouldn't do too well. Then he'd get hurt again. It was very sporadic. And then this year, he's full mm-hmm. full season again with the usage that is like everyone was talking about and the usage that he was not a fan of. So what do you set the value at if you're going to trade for a guy like that? Is he worth a first-round pick? He's only really giving you one full season of what he could do. Because the rookie year, they didn't use him the way they used him this past year. Right, but if you're the Jets, you you do have some early capital to spend. The Jets have two picks in the fir- in the top ten. They have an early second-round pick they could use. Right. They they have options if they want to give up draft capital for him. And then, exactly, but then the question is, if you're the Jets, do you then look at that and say, well, we could potentially, let's say, give up the 10th pick, or do you go, well, we want to draft Garrett Wilson at 10 and just draft a receiver instead of trading for one that has some uncertainties, but then at the same time also but, has certainties. But he's also, he's a proven entity. That's what you I know, mean. You take a receiver out of college, who knows how he'll pan out, you know? Right. But then at the same time, see, this is where this is where the question comes into play. You're taking risks either way. With Absolutely. Garrett, with Garrett Wilson, you're taking the risk that he might not be as good as he's thought out to be, and you missed out on a potential world talent in Debo Samuel. But then if you trade for Debo Samuel, that's going to end up paying at least 20-something million a year. Let's say he gets hurt here and there. He doesn't want the the running back wide receiver usage, right? Sure. And then Garrett Wilson turns out to be some star. And the other thing, too, is Garrett Wilson, You, if he's in the first-round pick, right, which he would be, you'd have him on the rookie deal four years and the fifth-year option, which would be awesome for a team to you know, be able to pay him not too much money on the cap. So that's something you also could look at and say, well, do we really want to be paying a receiver, I don't know, we'll say $26 million a year, or do you want to pay Garrett Wilson, let's say, seven or eight, whatever it is, six, yeah. and for you, four years plus the fifth year? And you're going to have to pay Edebo Samuel now this right this now. year is his walk year. Yeah, right now you're gonna have to pay him right now. So that's that's the point. Do you do you just do you you go four four or five years with Garrett Wilson? And even if you don't get Garrett Wilson, let's say he's not even there, do you then take the risk with Drake London? You know, Chris Olave. You know, you could always trade back up into the first round if somebody's lingering around towards the end that you like, or even in the second round if there's a couple of receivers you like, you could take there. There's so many options and routes the Jets could go. I think they're the likely favorite though to land Debo Samuel. And I think the Chiefs are right behind him. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that the Jets are not opposed to making a big play for a big-name receiver. We saw they went after Tyree Kill when he was on the market before he went to Miami. And the other thing, yeah, the other thing too is, now that I'm thinking about it, if you're Kansas City, you, either one of you, you answer this one question. What is the main reason why they traded Tyree Kill, in your view? Money, yeah, probably money, probably money, and, it, and off going off that, it makes sense why Debo Samuel would want to trade out of San Francisco. Everybody's going for the bag right now. AJ Brown's doing the same thing. It, it makes sense, but the point is, it does make sense. The point is, if you're Kansas City, how much? How much is Tyree Kill making a year? Is it like close to thirty? Is it upper upper twenties? Do you guys know? I'll, I'll look. Uh, yeah, I'm checking right now. I was asking how much money is Tyree Kill now making a year? Is it like around um, thirty? A lot. Um, um, well, it's three years, seventy-five million dollar extension uh, as part of the trade with the Chiefs. So he's under contract. 
Yeah. Twenty three point eight million per year overall. Yeah. Because let's be honest. Highest paid receiver. So let me ask you this then. If you're the Chiefs and you had a guy like Tyreek Hill, who's better than Debo Samuel, who fits your offense, who is like the really the only receiver in the NFL who can run that deep ball with Patrick Mahomes and it will work every time, why would you then trade Tyreek Hill away? Although I know they got a nice package, but why would you trade him away because of money, but then trade for Debo? A guy you then have to pay. Right, I hear that. And to be honest, to Similar me, if money. I'm Debo, I don't necessarily want to go there either. Because let's be honest, unless your name is Mike Hampton, it's all about the money. Yeah. <laughs> Please tell me you know what I'm referring to. Yes. Good. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make too much sense because, because um, it doesn't make much sense because... If you're the Chiefs, why would you get rid of Tyree Kill if your then plan was to trade for somebody you then have to pay similar money? I hear. I hear. It doesn't make any sense to me, which is why I think the Chiefs could potentially draft one, which I think is what they're going to end up doing. So in my view, even though you might look around the league and you say, well, the Jets and the Chiefs are the most likely options, I I take those two out of consideration. I think the Jets draft a receiver. I think that's the smart route. Interesting. Because it's all about the money. And I think you could spend whatever money the Jets have left over elsewhere to fill needs. And I think you could draft a receiver. It's it's very un, it's very rare that you swing and miss on a receiver in the first round. Like especially nowadays with the top receivers that we've seen go. I mean they've all pretty much been very good. I mean look at the last class, right? Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase. They were all very good. And you know Jamar Devontae Adams was ranked third. And, you know, he's with Philadelphia with a quarterback who can't throw. And he had a great year. I view this as the Jets, from a financial standpoint, they should draft the receiver, do not go after Debo. Because he's already shown you that he, if he doesn't get the money he wants or if there's a potential issue with the usage of play, that he's going to have problems with upper management. That's a whole other headache that you don't want to deal with either. The Jets have had experience with this with Le'Veon Bell, right? I mean, they've gone through it. I don't know if you want to take that chance. Yeah. Having a guy like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, whoever you decide to go with a 10, if that's where they go, having him on four years, minimal money, and have that option to put the fifth-year extension on him, I think that's very appealing. Instead of signing a guy like Debo for those five years and having to pay him $24 million a year. Yeah, well, let's and worry about Debo's injury, injury history. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. But let's circle back to a different question. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, are you even entertaining this trade? No. To any team. I'm keeping Debo 100%. But that's the thing. If you don't trade Debo, you then take the chance Debo doesn't play or go to the practices, which we've seen with plenty of players over the years, and it Absolutely. stinks. They, 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 are more than, they are more than happy to pay the fines. They will sit at home and just wait until they get traded. We've seen it happen all the time. That's the risk they take if not trading him. And then at the end of the year, he walks, right? And you get no return on for a player like that, right? So that's the risk you take if you don't decide to move him. I think if you're the 49ers... If, if he's telling you, you know, if you guys don't trade me, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to show up to practices. You can find me as much as you want. If he's saying stuff like that and you think he's serious about it, then I think you have to entertain some trade offers because especially in the back of your mind, if you're going, listen, he doesn't want to be here and next year we might not, we don't, you know, we might not entertain re-signing him, then unless you think you can really win now with Trey Lance as your quarterback in his first real, you know, try at the NFL I don't see a reason why to keep him other than maybe helping out Trey Lance because if you don't think you can win now and you don't think Debo's going to stick around next year and you're kind of like in the back of your mind like uh, I don't know if we're going to end up re-signing him anyway it's a lot of money well then I don't see the point in letting him walk that's something that's something the Giants made a, a mistake with not too long ago with Landon Collins like they knew they weren't going to re-sign him to a big deal and they, but they kept him, and they never traded him, and they let him walk for free, and go sign a big deal with Washington, when they could have gotten at least some draft compensation for him if they knew that he was going to go elsewhere anyway. I think that's what San Francisco needs to weigh on the table. That's a uh, that's a good take. I think you make some good points, but uh, you know, that's, I don't know what do you think, Mo? That's like, always the question. It's always the question. You know, and again, I'm. I'm looking at it as 
you have this proven entity, but, you know, I mean, again, the injury issue is, it is, it is what it is, and I don't think it's really the best thing to say, oh, he spent one season getting injured a lot, you know, therefore he's automatically an injury risk. I don't think, I mean, that, first of all, that's not necessarily true, and also, that can change. I mean, you look at a guy, you know, going back to the MLB, you look at a guy like Travis Darno. Right. When Travis Darno was in New York, he was injured at least half the season every year. You know, without fail, every year. Travis Darno has a concussion. Travis Darno has this injury, that injury. And he was a mediocre player. Right. Now he goes to now he's in Atlanta and he's, you know, decent. Yeah. But he's not as injury prone now. So that that can change. It can change, and I also think baseball is a little less Physical, uh, physical on your body. Because okay, I think, but he was a, he. I mean, the most physical position is probably the catcher. I mean, you get run into. I mean, yeah. Look what happened down. I mean, the way you put in your legs. Oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I am a catcher myself, and I'm I came into it with bad knees, so <laughs> probably only made it worse. But like, how did he get the concussion? I assume somebody um, ran into him collision at, home at plate. the plate. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably only happened once or twice in his career. Debo Samuel's getting hit to the ground every time he touches the ball. Fair. So Fair when you see a concussion in the NFL, and that's a reoccurring issue because they get hit a whole lot more. I mean, we've seen guys like Luke Keekley retire at 28 because of that. It's a thing. Yeah. They, they're just like, you know what? I'm out of here. Is it CTE? Is that what it's it is? CTE. CTE. They're like, yeah, CTE. I probably have it already. I'm not going to make it any worse. <laughs> I'm I out. Mean, we know about, we've known about CTE for a long time. I mean, my father's convinced that Antonio Brown has CTE. But <laughs> even before that, CTE, I mean, CTE is what they believe killed Mike Webster. That was years ago. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, nowadays, it's become more prevalent of a reason to, for guys to just say, listen, I'm packing it up. I'm hanging up the cleats. I'm done. I yeah. mean, it makes sense, and I understand that, but it's. It, it makes sense of why players want to do that now, you know, and it's sad to see that the NFL's not going to change to, you know, make rules and make penalties, you know, more accommodating to safety. Um, but I think well, because they tried that and it spot. doesn't really work so well. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it's it's it would be have to be a whole reorganization of the sport. It's definitely they not tried an easy that task. a few years ago and they ended up penalizing linebackers for tackling quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I remember that whole thing and it's still kind of wacky today. I I don't know. Football is football, and I feel like you sign up, you get what you signed up for. Like I mean, if, yeah. if you're playing football from you know when you're in fourth grade and your and your goal is to make it to the NFL. You know the thought process has to be yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot of hits in my career like that's what I mean, you signed up for yeah and obviously not all the guys are gonna most people are gonna get through their careers mostly healthy but not everyone is I mean you look at Eric Legrand who's you know paralyzed for most of his body look at a guy like Ryan Shazier who had a promising career ended also because of a neck injury right you can't change like you take the risk you can't change football it's it's the same thing with baseball just because X Y and Z have you know had three Tommy John surgeries doesn't mean we need to find a way to make it less uh you know on the less on the arm when they're doing off speed pitch there's no way around it it's baseball I hear you when you're a pitcher you take that risk and you can penalize the teams as much as you want in football but at the end of the day when you play football it's a reactionary game you're gonna make that hit anyway you're not thinking of it being oh I shouldn't do this I'm gonna get penalized you're just gonna lay them out and the referees are gonna be the deciders of that but just saying, I think I just think that if you're gonna say CTE is the reason why you hang it up, well, I'm just going into it. You got to know that that's a possibility. Absolutely. And if you don't, and if you don't want it, then you shouldn't have played to begin yeah. with. Giddy, what are your thoughts on all this? On life-altering injuries, <laughs> um, or landing spot for Debo Samuel? Yep, either one. Because we've already talked about fancy. the Jets and Chiefs and how yeah. they could both n- not trade for him, even though they're like the top two favorites. I mean. Uh, with Debo Samuel, it's, you know, like you were saying before, it's hard to tell. You know, you, you could base off whatever you want off of his injuries. You could talk about his injury history for as long as you want. But it's also, if he was so unhappy in San... And if, it, if it's true that the reason he wants to leave San Francisco is because of the way that they're using him, well, okay, fine. That's the way they've been using him. That's the way that NFL teams are going to be viewing him. That's what all his NFL tape is him saying. being this, this, this two-position player. So, yeah, it, it's somewhat of a risk, I think... If 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 this if the reason is just money and he's completely fine playing his position, um, then that's a different conversation. See, but if it's because he's unhappy with the way that they are using him, I mean, I think that hurts his value. That I mean, so teams saying, don't know what to expect from something like that. Sure, he's a good receiver, but I mean, he's been playing this weird 
duo position for his his NFL career. So you're saying Debo Samuel saying I don't want to be a uh, a quasi running back anymore would be like Shohei Otani saying I don't want to be a two way player. Anymore. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Shohei Otani I think does both better than. Okay. Yes, but that's Samuel because does, absolutely. He's I mean, actually trained as a two way player. If, if Shohei Otani said I want to go, you know, whatever. I want to. I want. I'm going to leave the Angels. Um, I'm. I'm I you know. I just want to be. I just want to play in the outfield and like well. We don't know if you can play in the outfield, like or who know, or if he says he only wants to pitch. They'll be like, "Well, we also we know you as a hitter. Why should we waste your talent? Um, we're not going to give you what you're asking for." But again, you have the wear and tear argument. If you want to go that route, yeah, even the wear and tear argument in any sport. That's what I'm I, saying. I, mean, I agree you, with you. Take that I, risk I and you play the sport. sport. Yeah, but any the, sport. That's I think football, the wear and tear like, argument is you know run its course and been you know overused at this point, but. Like I, I, I feel like it's different for baseball with that comparison only because it's 162 games. Fine. When Because when you pitch... And no, I agree, though, that it's it's like it's very similar, but at least in baseball, it's, you know, you play 130 games from the plate, prove your worth. In football, it's only 17 or so games, and you know Debo's not going to play all all the games. Even last year when he was fully healthy, he didn't play in the whole, the whole series, the whole season, right? And he's yeah. been... And he was hurt. In 2020, only played in seven games, which he really was not effective. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I feel like if he decides not to incorporate the running back position into his game, he's not going to get paid the big bucks. And you know, I, I, I feel like there won't be that many trade targets this year because I think that's what tra- teams would want to trade for. The product that they saw last year, the All Pro receiver that they saw last year, is what they want. And if that's not how he wants to play, teams are not going to trade for him. Or even give him that kind of money, whatsoever. So they're only gonna. You think they're only gonna go for the full package? I mean, I think, I think, no, I think teams would trade for him, but you wouldn't get as much. Right, but you want because you're saying an NFL team, if they're gonna trade for Debo Samuel, they want the full Debo Samuel experience. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking Debo Samuel with two, maybe three years left on his deal, different story. But this is a guy walking into free agency where you immediately have to pay him big bucks, right? So. And now you're taking away a part of his game, and you're paying him big time money. You go from let's say let's say Debo Samuel has two years left on his deal, on his contract, right? You go from giving them a first round pick to now I would probably say a second or third, because of that difference. And if especially if he doesn't want to play the running back wide receiver dual position, you might get a late third. It might be one of those trades where you're like, how did San Francisco just get fleeced? And, you know, how did the Jets only give up a third and maybe, like, a late second? Well, it's because right. of stuff like that. All right. So, I, I think that's how it's going to turn out. I'll give you that. But I, I think if... I don't know. It's t- I, None of us know the inside information. We don't know how he's feeling. We don't know what San Francisco's saying. I, I think keeping him would make some sort of sense and extending him. Because I think he's a good player. But if he really doesn't want to be in San Francisco, then you got to ship him off. Because then you take the risk of not getting anything for him. Or, mm, I was trying to think, he might play out the season to try and get his worth up, but then if he doesn't play, then you're in a tough spot. If you're San Fran. Yeah. If he doesn't play, then he walks, and if if he doesn't play, and, you you know, it's past the trade deadline, then you're letting him walk for nothing, and he didn't even play for you. So you gotta ship him, I think. And, and then his value goes down, and you, you you know then you play the what if game is what if what 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 could have we gotten you know what could yeah. what could we gotten for Debo Samuel? <laughs> and I mean we could have been a second. We talked before about Le'Veon Bell. Pittsburgh kept him on the bench the entire season, and right. I mean, granted, he went to New York and you know was not Le'Veon Bell that he had been for the first five years of his career. Right. But to be honest, you know, I kind of had a feeling that was gonna happen because the difference between Pittsburgh. And the Jets, even a couple years ago, the Steelers' offensive line in the mid 2010s was phenomenal. Yeah, the Jets' offensive line is a pasta strainer. Yeah, pretty much. Swiss cheese. That's another there one. There you go. <laughs> I was trying to think of something with holes. That was the thing that came <laughs> up. <laughs> they just let everything through. <laughs> exactly. But you know, like with with Le'Veon, it's, it was a different situation because you'd never pay running backs big bucks, and you're seeing all these teams around the league, you know. Bite the you know, bite the bullet essentially on that. Christian McCaffrey signed a big deal. What is he doing for Carolina? Nothing other than 
possibly complaining and wanting out eventually. And getting hurt. And getting hurt. Ezekiel Elliott. They could. The Cowboys couldn't retain Amari Cooper because they signed Ezekiel Elliott to a big deal years ago. That's why they couldn't give Amari Cooper the money he wanted, or or you know, take a pay cut because they were paying Zeke this money. It's it, it's never it's never a good move, which is why I don't want the Giants to follow the same path. Le'Veon Bell with the big deal with the Jets never never plays out. So I think it's a little different with Debo because he's still he's a wide receiver at heart and plays running back occasionally. He's a receiver, so it's a bit of a different market. I would say, if he was a straight up running back, Mo, I would tell San Francisco, sit him, let him walk, done. You don't you don't extend big time money to a running back. I hear it, but he's I a receiver, it. so it's a little different how you play this one. I hear it. I don't know. Maybe do you think he wants to leave? Maybe because he just doesn't. He's not convinced on Trey Lance. He's like, I'm out of here. Oh, that would be interesting. I that would be. <laughs> I mean that would be huge, and that that like if that's the news, sure you lose Evo Samuel, yeah. and then you realize that like wow, one of your like your star wide receiver doesn't even trust your drafted quarterback to replace <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. I need, like that that's franchise altering. I need Trey Lance, not Trey Lance, excuse me. I need Debo Samuel to sit down on someone's couch and just tell us what's on his mind. I think that would really be uh, that'd be fun to watch. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I'm just interested to see where once the rumors start coming about where he's gonna go, and once it's he had a, you know he's gonna yeah. Now it, that everything's become public, it does change a little. Yeah, I mean it makes it interesting. It definitely keeps fans interested in the little things. And welcome back to the final 22 minutes or so here on the Wednesday Crew, getting Fox along with Dylan Allen, Moshe Golubchik, keeping you hopefully entertained for the last hour and a half. Um, ran through what could happen with Debo Samuel. Now we're going to shift our focus to what's happening right now. What's happening for the last couple nights, the NBA playoffs. Right now, we have it up in studio. The Nets on top of the Celtics. Um, you can go around, guys. What are your predictions for games tonight? What are your thoughts on the NBA playoffs so far? Well, I'll start off by saying for my lock, if, if for any of the listeners out there that were not here for locks of the week, I picked uh, Brooklyn plus three. So that's looking very nice right now. They're up uh, 11 uh, right now, so I, and they're projected, and I'm give I'm getting three points, so that's looking pretty promising to start. I mean, now it's they're up fourteen, quote unquote, and you know if you, if you took Brooklyn plus three, you got to factor that's that. That's very in. true, and it's, I thought Brooklyn, and, you know, I thought Brooklyn would win. I just took the points just to be safe. Um, but it does is it just me or is Kyrie going to the locker room? No, that's that appeared to be Kyrie going to the locker room. All right, didn't to look Twitter hurt. We go. Yeah, go to Twitter. He didn't look hurt. I don't know what happened, but um. All right, so that's looking good, and, uh, and I think the other games tonight. Well, first off, well, it's kind of hard to tell. It's kind of you two, at least, to give a prediction for tonight's game because it's already going on. But let's just assume, for conversation's sake, Brooklyn holds on to this lead, tied up at one apiece. Thoughts for the rest of the series? Um, I get it. I mean, I think the Nets are the deeper team here. Yeah. I, I mean, I sure they're down one nothing in the series. Um, I I don't just don't think that's anything to worry about right now. I mean, now it's a nine point lead. Um, let's say they win tonight, one and one. You come back to Brooklyn. I just don't see them losing two games in Brooklyn, especially now that they have Kyrie back. I mean, talk about fired up. You also have Kevin Durant. I mean, that, that he could shoot from anywhere. Let me ask you this, because my brother just sent me a text saying Kyrie left the court to go eat because it was sundown. Now is that a Ramadan? Like, what is oh. that for? Uh, I know it's so, probably for a religious thing, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, it is Ramadan right now. He's it's... eating a banana right now on the bench. Okay, because I'm looking at Twitter true. right now, and I see the exact same thing from okay. at Billy Reinhardt. It's yeah, a, I'm, not, um, I'm not seeing anything here on Twitter. But, he's uh, a reporter. Okay, for so for any Nets, Nets fans, we gave a quick scare about he's not hurt. <laughs> okay, I'm sure if you're a Nets fan, you're watching the game. But, yeah, no, he was just uh, breaking his fast, I, I, mean, I assume. Good on him if he's going to... I think started the game without uh, any. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's everybody on Twitter saying. He Apparently, went to the locker room for food and liquid. He confirmed a year ago that he is now a Muslim. All right, so there you go. Okay, so okay, there's so your answer. Be, okay, so no injuries there. He is fasting for Ramadan. All right, so there you go. Okay, so then all right, so I would argue the Celtics are the deeper team here than the Nets. The Nets have more superstar talent. I I, I guess you could say because the Kyrie and Durant, but I think the chemistry with Boston differs from Brooklyn because Brooklyn has a bunch of older veterans in there that really haven't played a whole lot together. Brooklyn, This Boston team has been together for the most part since 2017, 2018. You know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, uh, Jason Tatum, 
Um, Al, even Al Horford. They, all these guys have played together for quite some time, and I think that's an advantage that Brooklyn doesn't have. I think this goes seven, regardless of Brooklyn or Boston winning tonight. I think this series goes seven. And and who takes it? Who takes it? See, that's that's the money question. I think it's a, if it goes seven, I think it's the flip of a coin. I really do. I think it's that close of a series. Mm. It's in Boston, and it, I don't know. It's, it's just hasn't it seemed like Boston has had Brooklyn's number all year? Yeah, I mean, also, but Brooklyn, like, who are the real Brooklyn Nets? Like, who, like, it's just, and that's why it's like, you know, it's the playoffs. You kind of hope that everything comes together now. But, I mean, sure, I mean, I think having the Game 7 in Boston kind of, you know, moves it a little bit more away from a flip of a coin and definitely gives Boston just a couple extra points because it's there. But, I mean, I could I could certainly see this going to 7. I think you know, it goes the way this is going now. I think it definitely goes seven right now. They're up. Uh, oh wow, they're up eleven. Okay, so but or my my case fourteen. But um, but I I, I think I'll I'm gonna give it to Boston only because I seem it seems like everybody's taking Brooklyn, and it's not that I don't understand why. I mean, Katie Kyrie on the same team. I mean, that's that's a good team. I just for some reason I just think it might be Boston's year. They just haven't been able to put it together in the past couple of seasons, and although they're not putting on the best of shows right now. Uh, down 13, but I don't know. I, I just feel like they've been able to figure out Brooklyn this year, at least contain them in, in in a sort. So I'll go with Boston in seven, but again, it's a flip of the coin. I could easily see Brooklyn winning in seven, too. Yeah, but I mean, sure, they if, if they had a number during the year, that's one thing. But I mean, like yeah. I said, it's the playoffs, and I mean, the last game was decided on a buzzer beater, the ultimate flip of a coin. So I right. mean, let's say, let's say the Nets. You know, let's say let's say the Celtics didn't hit that buzzer beater. Right. Nets win game one in Boston, and then they're looking like this. Right. And then they win game two in Boston. You come back to Brooklyn up two nothing. Right. I mean, that is a deep, deep, deep hole for the Celtics to climb up out of. Maybe go back to Boston as three to one Nets try to sneak one out game five. I mean, I like it's. It definitely is going to be a close series. Um, you know, especially if the Nets continue playing like this right now. But I mean, we'll see what happens. Definitely an exciting. Rivalry series. I hate that this was the first round. Yeah. <laughs> why couldn't this be like the Eastern Conference semis or the finals? Oh, like, this could, that could have been a classic. Why did this have to be that, the first round? That would have been fun. Oh, there we go. Grant Williams with th- with a three pointer. But like, I I just don't know. It just it's it stinks that these one of these teams have to go home in the first round. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying because both of these teams are great. The only reason why the boss. That's all. The only reason why Brooklyn's a seven seed is because Kyrie played in like twenty games. Yeah, at random points. Exactly. Um, and the other thing, too, is Brooklyn isn't that great of a home team. It's not like, I mean, obviously home court advantage is something, but for them this year, they they, they didn't really play that well at home. And I think Boston beat them both times they went to Brooklyn. Um, and again, I know you said when it comes down to push and shove, like it's playoffs, it's different than regular season ball. And I get that. I'm just saying, like, I'm telling you, Boston has had their number this year. Um, and I know they won, I guess you could say, in a lucky fashion in the final seconds of that game. Um, but again, I, I, I think Boston is just a very good defensive team. They kind of showed you that towards the tail end of the year. Um, I'm just looking at the box score from the previous game in game one. I mean, that's a game where Kyrie went 39 points, shot 6 of 10 from 3. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to replicate that, that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like both of those teams were just on point, and that's another three pointer from I think Grant Williams again. So they're down nine. I listen. It's literally the flip of the coin. It's the best series in the first round, in my opinion. It's that close. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good series. Even I know that. I know about <laughs> basketball. All right. So what's the other game on tonight? Is it Toronto, uh, Philadelphia? There's two. Yeah. So that's the game at eight. Philly's up two nothing in that series. I think that's all but over. Yeah. Philly at Philly's Toronto. Sweeping. Yeah. You think it's gonna be a sweep? Nah, five and five. Okay, five, that's five, fair. Five. Fine. I think I think Toronto wins one at home, and when it goes back to Philly, that then that's when it ends. I think that's how it goes. Yeah, I mean Embiid is. I mean, how could you stop a guy like that? I mean, they don't really have an answer down there. Um, is his name Prince Achuchua? I don't know how you pronounce it. That's like a rookie center or young center. He's he's okay, but you can't guard Embiid with that. You need a good center down there, and Pascal Siakam can only do so much. The other, yeah. thing, the other thing too is they don't really have like a uh, a number one guy on Toronto either. Like Pascal Siakam, good. Fred VanVleet, good. 
but they're not superstars. That's the problem. And Embiid, Harden, super well, although Harden really hasn't been playing like one recently, they're superstars. On Boston, Jason Tatum, superstar. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, superstars, right? The list goes on and on. Toronto seems like that odd team out without really a set guy, and that could come back to bite them. I I think this goes in five. I'll give them one game in Toronto. Are there any... Are all the Sixers vaccinated? Is that, well, a, is no, that something so, in play? I was going to bring it up. Matisse Stiebel is not vaccinated. Mm, okay. And that's a big loss for the Sixers. I mean, it's not an Embiid-esque loss, but I, that certainly hurts. Stiebel's having an excellent year so far. It's a big defensive loss. Yes. I, I think he brings a presence defensively. But again, it's not a, you know, it's not a 25-point per game hole to fill. It's maybe a steal a block or two with a couple of bench points. And it's so. not the Nets losing Kyrie for every home game for three quarters yeah, of the season. Exactly. No, not even close. Not, close. not even close. But but I mean in But that might be why Toronto sneaks out one game. Yeah. You never know. I mean what happens if if Toronto squeaks out two games? Because Ooh. let's say Toronto's offense is clicking, they the Sixers are without Thibault, um and then and the Raptors are just making it work. They win two, goes back two two to Philly. I mean I feel like at that point then the Sixers could just be so mad that they would win win in Philly and end up winning the game in the series in six games. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, I could see it going six. I don't think it would go seven. It, it depends how hot these shooters are because then it could carry over to game five in Philly. And then if Philly's not on their A game, you know, Toronto could go out to a quick first half start and possibly even win three in a row depending on how hot this team is. But listen, like I said, I think this goes five with the max of six. And I could see a sweep too. Like I, I don't think that's out of the cards. So I, you're I, saying it will be really, somewhere between four and six games. <laughs> really, I think it'll go four or five. Personally, I don't think it goes to six. I don't think they win both in Toronto. Right. Both these games have been blown out, right? I mean, they not really yeah. been close. I don't know. Toronto really hasn't shown up. So, and and Philadelphia has been clicking on all cylinders. And this is when, and this is with Harden not even playing that great. To be honest with you, um, he's playing pretty subpar. Yeah, you are correct. By the way, the last two games, uh, Philly has won quite handily. They won game one, 131 to 111, and they won game two, 112 to 97. Yeah. And again, Harden has not played his A game either. He's been scoring like 20 points on like not that great of shooting, and he's had just assists. They've really just been going to Embiid, um, and that's pretty much what they've been doing. Because, again, you, you said it before, Giddy, it, Toronto just cannot guard him. There's no match. And I think that that's just something that Toronto cannot make up for. It's a big loss. I mean, Embiid is an MVP candidate this year, and you have no one that can like really guard him. It wasn't like back in uh, 2019 when you had Marcus Gasol to guard Embiid. And, you know, a superstar like Kawhi Leonard to go to with Toronto, right? That's a totally different Toronto team. There's no set superstar, no set center to guard a guy like Embiid. That, and I think that's why they're struggling a lot. Like, I'm looking at this box score from last game. Uh, Embiid, 31-11. and 11. Harden, 14 points. Six rebounds, six assists. Three of nine shooting. He really didn't... Seven of his 14 were from the line. Half his points were from the line. Mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, 20 points. Tyrese Maxey, 23, who I think does not get talked about enough. Tyrese Maxey is awesome. He has really shown out for Philadelphia, their young point guard. That's another thing. They just Philadelphia just is a much better team top to bottom. Um, but I, I do agree with you, Gideon, in the, in the fact that I think Pascal Siakam could have like a 40-point game and they win a game. It's it's I mean they have not they have nothing to lose at this point. You're down to nothing. Like you're gonna bring out every trick that you possibly can. Right. You're at home. The the problem though is they haven't proven to me that they can guard Embiid. There hasn't been a game where they're like, okay, listen, we lost by five, but we held Embiid to twenty points, not thirty, right? Right. They're, they have not shown us that. So I I don't really see them doing that at all. That's the thing. They haven't shown me anything like that. Yeah, look, I agree. I mean, it's it's the Sixers. Tonight is it's the Sixers game to lose. It's I mean the Raptors know what they're going up against. You know they're in a two nothing hole. Um, you know if they could squeak one out, they could squeak one out. But I mean it's just gonna it's it's just the Sixers are like you're saying they have Joel Embiid. I mean sure the Raptors can't stop Joel Embiid, but who can? Right. No, it's very hard to unless you have a dominant center down low or I don't know at least a forward that can kind of compete with that. Um, all right, we want to go to the, the last game of tonight? Yes. It's the Bulls at the Bucks, game yes, two. That's... The Bucks won the first game. 
Um, and a game that it, it looked like the Bulls the Bulls were up at one point late in the game. Yeah, they came back. It, it was a, a low scoring game. Ninety three to eighty six was the final. Much um, closer than the uh, than the Raptors at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. I'm telling you, the Raptors are getting swept, or at least in five. I think it, I think they might win one, but. Okay, so what do you think with Milwaukee? Because the thing with Chicago is the whole story with them was they couldn't beat the good teams in the East. I think at one point they were 0-16 against the top four teams in the East, and that might still be carrying on. I don't know if they were able to squeak one or two wins, but there was a part of the year where they just kept going up against the top teams in the East, and they just couldn't win, and they weren't necessarily that close either. And so far, I mean, they competed one game with Milwaukee, kept it kind of close, but again, defense was there, offense wasn't. And so what are you thinking for game two? I mean, uh, it's – I think I think the Bulls are just going to get exposed again. I think they got yeah. lucky in that game. I mean, the spread now is minus 10. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, Giannis is just so good. Like, there's, there, people are running out of words to describe what Giannis does on the court. It just – it tore apart the Bulls, who are an undersized team already. Right. And you mix it any talented center, they're going to see trouble. And you give them the, you know, one of the top centers, if not the top center in the entire league. I mean, that's a nightmare for situation for the Bulls. Yeah, and again, they really haven't had too much success against the top teams in the East. And um, you know, I just don't know if the Rosen is enough. Uh, I I really don't. I I mean, Giannis, that the, the the big three Milwaukee has: Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. That I mean, they were champions last year. It's a hard team to go up against, and they've all seemed to improve too, which is kind of nuts. Like, you you would think a team like that kind of hit their ceiling, and that's what you're going to get. But they've they've seemed to play better this year, at least of, as of late. Um, but I think there's some hope for Chicago if they can play good defense again, like they did in Game One, and the offense shows up just a little bit more. I mean, they have a decent chance to win. Problem is, I just don't think you can do that to Milwaukee two times in a row. It's kind of an issue, I would I would say, because, I, I mean, you gave up 93 points, which is not a lot, but you did give up 26 points and 16 rebounds to Giannis. Um, and I would think the, the... See, here's the thing. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton combined for 2 of 11 from 3, and you're not going to get that every night. So, and I think Chicago kind of has to realize that. I mean... This is a game where Chicago lost by seven, Giddy, and DeMar DeRozan shot six of 25. Um, so, I mean, if you look at it that way, if you think this Bulls defense is legit, and you're just you're just saying to yourself, well, listen, I don't think DeMar DeRozan's going to miss 20 shots again, and so then you think Chicago might win. I think Milwaukee wins again, and I think this time is where the blowout comes in. I really do. I think the first game was an offensive fluke from Milwaukee, the Bulls kind of showed you what they. That's I think that's what they would normally do. I think tonight they don't. I think tonight they don't crack 105. The Bulls. I think I think Milwaukee gets to 110, 115. Milwaukee did sweep the regular season series against the Bulls. Yeah, so you make a good point. And they had. Yeah, that, they that's had not surprising. The lowest of their scorers in those four games was 94 points. Their other games were 118, 126, and 127. So <laughs> for Milwaukee, right? For Milwaukee. Yeah. Wow. So that's my. That's what I'm saying. I think I think this game is going to be a. A 15-point win. 10-15 points, I think. I don't think it got to 20, but I, I okay. do think Milwaukee will get to 115 and Chicago, like, 100. I really think that's something. I think that's a realistic score. And then it goes back to Shaka. I think it's a very similar situation, Giddy, as the Toronto 76ers matchup. And you too, Mo. I think it's, you know, it's where you're Toronto or you're Chicago, you're just outmatched, and you're like, okay, you might be able to win one on your home court. That's it. So is this is this going to be a sweep, or is it going to be an over and five? I think it could be. I think it'll be. I think it'll be in five, four or five. I don't see it going six. And you think the Bulls are going to pick one up when it comes back to yeah, Chicago for three be, and four? It's, it's not going to be tonight, and I think it's going to be either in three or four. The game, the, the game three or four in which they win. Right when it's back. Let's back talk at United Center. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, exactly. We got four more minutes left in the show. I want to touch on. We could talk about the games tomorrow, but we can also save that for tomorrow's crew. But let's talk about Devin Booker and the injury because I think that's yes. something big. That's just that's bigger than tomorrow's games because there was a report that came out earlier today that he could potentially miss games three and four of their opening series against New Orleans, and that series is knotted up at one apiece. They they just lost to New Orleans the other night. Was it last night or two nights ago? I think it was two nights ago. I think that was last night. Last night was yeah. it? So last night, I mean, they lose to New Orleans. Devin Booker gets hurt late in the game, so it wasn't like he was hurt the whole game, and that's why the New Orleans won. He was in the game for most of the game. Gets hurt towards the tail end. 
Uh, I think it was a hamstring injury, and now they're saying that he might be out for three and four, which is big because series is tied up at one, and New Orleans proved that they can win on the road when Devin Booker plays. Yeah, so it's it's right now it's a mild right hamstring strain. Um, yeah. but Woe said he's unlikely to play the next two games. That you know that's a, that's a pretty trustworthy source. Yeah, I would say so. So I mean, that's big for the Pelicans. If the Pelicans could win one of those games, they're going to game five tied up at two apiece. I mean, the Pelicans are going to be playing for everything right there. Is this a, is this an upset watch just yet, Dylan? Or are we? Does that have to be? Are we gonna see some time before that happens? Me personally, I would say, um, hmm. I think that. See, I think if it, if New Orleans or if Phoenix can win one of two in New Orleans and come back Game Five in Phoenix with Devin Booker back, I think that's a win. You just cannot lose both. If you go down three one coming back to Phoenix with Devin Booker coming back, that's a big issue. If he if he definitely you know if he does come back, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like he, he probably come will come back in Game Five. But I mean, sure, he, he wouldn't have played in a couple days. He'll yeah, I, probably be playing. Who knows if he'll be back at one hundred percent too? Exactly, and and by then you're forcing him to play because your season's on the brink of ending. Right, you're the one seed. You've won sixty five plus games, <clears throat> so uh, I think if you're New Orleans, if you can somehow get two wins in at your home court, go back three one. That's huge, but. I, I still think Phoenix pulls this out. I, Chris Paul, uh, DeAndre Ayton, the, Mikal Bridges—they still have a good team with good depth and good players. Devin Booker is by far is their best player, but that doesn't mean that they they don't have anyone else to go to. And I think with New Orleans too, you look at that game. Brandon Ingram had a career night, and you kind of think to yourself, "Well, can that happen again?" And I'm not really sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just so. I don't know. I I was. I mean, it would be so interesting to see them lose. The Pelicans, to see the Pelicans, if they were to take down the Suns, who are favored by so many people, rightfully so, to not just have a deep run in the playoffs, but to also win the entire thing, um, I think would be huge, would be exciting too, because, I mean, the Pelicans are coming into this, you know, not. I don't think it was the same level as the Raptors are coming into their series with the Sixers, but it wasn't like anybody was saying, oh, sure, Pelicans in seven. I mean, if they're able to, to take down the Suns, Devin Booker or not, I mean, that that's one for the books. Yeah, and again, I mean, they won the game with Devin Booker playing. So I, I think that's huge. And imagine if this team had Zion. Imagine. Oh, my God, They'd be, yeah. they would be so They would be so much better. They probably wouldn't have They probably wouldn't have had to even go in the play-in, to be honest, if, they had, if Zion played a full year with them. Yeah. I mean, well, look, if, if Zion comes back next year, I feel like there could be some... That's the thing. So I don't. Excited. I don't even know. It might be a Debo Samuel situation where he's like, "I want out. <laughs> I don't want to play this position." <laughs> you know, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, but that will do it for today's crew episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, Gideon Fox, Mo, myself, Dylan Allen. Hope you guys enjoyed.